This is a Hot Pie Original. Hi, this is Pat Pearson and Hot Pie Media, bringing you Stop Self-Sabotage. I'm going to be bringing you this program every week, and we're going to be delving into the wonderful messiness of our lives. We're going to be talking about your hopes, your fears, and the emotional issues that you need to resolve to make you even happier will be discussed at all, all the times we're together. In this process, you got to ask yourself, what's in it for you? Well, what's in it is an uplifting information, renewed hope, and some fabulous people who are going to come in to share their life stories. All of it wrapped up in a wonderful container to help you deserve even more of life's great adventure. Come join me. We're going to have a good time on Hot Pie Media. Stop self sabotage. everyone. We're in our Stop Self-Sabotage segment, and I'm here with Ingrid Vandervelt. Ingrid is a wonderful person and a great entrepreneur, and we're going to be talking about female empowerment. Now, we want everyone to be empowered. We want men to be empowered too, but we've specialized in working in female empowerment together. So that's what we're going to focus on. So Ivy, um, Ingrid, Ivy. Can I just say I'm so excited to be here with you? We're going to have a lot of fun today. Yes, yes, yes. yes. (laughs) So tell me about you. I know that this is the EBW, which we'll talk about in a second, is a mission for you. And I know that you have a story that started you out in life that was, I thought, fascinating. Tell us about your story. Well, thank you. I I would think that maybe you're talking about the one from the fourth grade. Eight eight years old and you had a learning disability. Yeah, 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, I mean, a part of really being uh, just really excited about women and entrepreneurship and the power of possibility is um, I think a lot of that fire and fuel comes from the oftentimes comes from challenges. And so when I was uh, in the fourth grade, Mm -hmm. I was well, I was in the third grade and I was failing out of school. And in our family, I happened to be raised in a family that was really encouraging and uh, of all the kids that we could be, do, have anything we wanted to with hard work and education. Yeah. It's not a handout. You got to work for it. Of course. So education being core to that, there was an expectation in our family that we would work really hard in school and excel in school. And I happen to be failing out of school. And it's just hard, you know, it's very hard inside of people to feel that. Yeah. Yeah. When you just can't, especially as a kid, I mean, I wanted to please my parents and do well in school. And I couldn't, I just could not make the grades. And the the fast forward of the story really um, was that (laughs) like kids, when they get in trouble and they they get called into the principal's office, their parents get called in even worse. Uh, Both my parents and I were called to the principal's office. And essentially the principal said to my parents that uh, I could no longer stay in the school. I was a distraction to the other kids. I was failing out of all the classes. Uh, They've tried Mm. everything. There was nothing that they could do. And essentially, they told my parents that they thought I was learning disabled. They used uh, another word for it at the time, not a PC word, but that I was learning disabled and that uh, I couldn't stay in the school. and, And the recommendation of my parents was to try to find uh, specialized education to to help. Yeah, and yeah. thank God 
my parents, I mean, they had no choice but to find another school, but, but thank God my parents kept pressing and asking those questions like this can't be, there's something else going on. What else is going on? What else is going on? And that led, I mean, just such a learning experience through that, but that led us to a three-year journey of realizing that I had serious hearing problems. And once identified and we were able to solve it, like now this is stuff, you know, you find out in no time, but back then they didn't. But once they found that out, uh, I began to excel. But the experiences of going through that at at a young age and really being uh, quite a bit of an outcast, if you will, sure, at all different sure. levels, right? And and having these parents, who I always say to parents, you know, you're you're the most amazing mentors to your kid, and just telling them, I believe in you, you know, mm. you're special. Huge. There's something, yeah, huge in terms of just providing that support, and uh, so that experience, as I reflect back on it was one of those uh, really life-changing moments for me where I realized that in being very different was actually the secret sauce of what also (laughs) made me very unique. And we need to celebrate that uniqueness. Absolutely. In doing that, there's opportunity to excel. Of course, of course. And the the, um, title of this podcast is Make the Impossible Possible. And I love that title. It's it's one of your titles that you use when you talk to millions and millions of women around the world. Um, And the, the beauty in that and what you just said was that um, your parents intervened and made you feel special. And you got your own bus, right? You got to be on your own special bus to go to a school. Tell Just tell yeah. us that quickly. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. I mean, just such, I mean, just such an unbelievable, you know, I, I remember it almost like it was yesterday, although obviously it was many years ago. Yeah. yeah uh, sure. But yeah, so, so, um, so a few of the things that happened during those three years, you know, I, as a kid, I didn't know what was going on and I was going to be separated from my friends and, uh, unbeknownst to me during that summer, basically my parents were trying to figure out, you know, we, they have four children and my mom was staying home, taking care of the kids. My dad's trying to, you know, hustle in his job to provide for all of us. And the school that I was being actually told to go to was many miles away. I mean, it was 20 miles or so away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my father basically fought for me over the summer with the school board saying, and if, if you're going to require our daughter to go here, that if it's outside of a certain mileage range, that the schools actually need to provide busing and, because they could not get me there and back. Right. So right. they and they said, well, no, we're not going to do that. She's the only one from your area. And my dad kept fighting. He's like, it's right here in, you know, yeah, yeah. hence as an entrepreneur, always look at what's in writing because it's right there in writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And, uh, and so sure enough, he advocated for that, secured it. And on the first day of school, uh, you know, people sometimes whenever I'm doing something that they want to make fun of, they'll say, oh, you're one of the short bus kids. I'm like, actually, I'm not one of the long bus kids because they ran out of the short buses. So those long yellow school buses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You were on one of those. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like I was the only one. Yeah. But what did you think about that? I mean, that's what I like about you. What did you do with that in your head? Well, it, 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 so in my head, uh, because the kids were teasing me that I was special and they were just like, you know, uh, my bus was 
showing up and taking up space at the school and I'm the only kid on this bus. And it was all so awkward and mm-hmm. just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the kids were making fun. You know, you're special. This is a special girl. Da, 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 da. And my parents were saying, you are special. Yes. You're really special. And With all the- of a sudden the school was special like, turned. Yeah. Yeah. This the is word. the special girl, you know, special. So what happened with that school bus was so that I wouldn't take up space. They allowed me to be the last to arrive. So I basically, you know, was like, oh my God, I'm having this like chauffeur ride to school, <laughs> last to get into school. And then they'd let my bus be the first one to arrive. So I was the first one out. And so all these things that under one lens were like, oh my gosh, my world is so awkward and yeah. falling apart and it feels awful and everybody's teasing me. The flip side of it was having these now known as mentors, i.e. my parents and my bus driver who became my best friend, just telling me, you're special, you're special, you're special. So by the time I came out of these three years, I was like, I'm freaking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you guys have to all wait in line. I've got special classes. Yeah, I got, I got a special bus. bus. I got my own driver. You know, you know what I so love about that is taking that reality that could have been something that you internalized and felt awkward about everything for the rest of your life. Like I'm not any good. I can't make it happen. It's just, you know, I'm not the person who's going to excel. And you just pivoted it all and owned it and made yourself special with these mentors, like you said, who gave you that information and that support. I, I mean, I truly think that is a story for the ages. I really do. And and you have lived out that specialness. And I, and I want you, I know you're a very humble person, but I want you to tell us a little bit about what you've done in your life oh, with all the companies and Oprah. Oh my God. <laughs> tell me all well, about that. Can I, can I just quickly say that this, you know, us even having this conversation really goes to the power of what you're doing here in this podcast, because even, you know, that, that whole transformation moment was because I was surrounded by mentors, a support system. In that case, it was my parents who helped me pivot in my thinking through very challenging moments. Yes. And you and I both know this because I mean, it, it like, challenging moments are always going to pop up in life. And some of them can be massive doozies. We both shared some of those moments, but in 2017, I mean, I thought our company was out. I thought we weren't going to survive. I was, as you know, uh, getting depressed over what was going on. And it was you because we knew each other at that point. And very much like my parents helped me pivot in my thinking. It was, it only took So for all of you like listening and watching, I'm like, it literally only took two phone calls with you where we walked through what was going on and you helped me reframe it in a way that I was like, okay, there's an opportunity here. Mm -hmm. I just have to walk this out. And once I do that, we're going to be able to grow and thrive on the other side. Yes. Yes. So to see this happening is just, you know, awesome. So thank you for doing it. Oh, hey, my pleasure. Now, um, So, but I still need a little bit about your background. Tell me about all the stuff you've done. And then we're going to talk about what you're 
currently involved with. Yeah. And I've got some questions about that too. Go ahead. Okay. So uh, by way of background, I mean, I'm a tech finance uh, and media entrepreneur. So former business television host with CNBC. And I've built and sold a number of uh, companies, the common denominator, different industries, but the common denominator has been that they all had a strong tech and finance backbone. Uh, some of them have done really well. Uh, some of them failed miserably to the point of my third venture. I mean, I lost everything that I owned. I was broke and homeless living out of my car at one point. I talk about it now because I'm like, really things look awesome on most days in terms of the things that we're blessed to be able to do. Yes, yes. And this comes on the other side of also having to walk again, challenging journeys like losing everything and living out of my car and figuring out how do you then recover from something like that with the shame disappointment. Yes, of course. Uh, just, you know, depression to, yes. to rise again. And yes. uh, I, I feel like at this stage in my life, I'm like, I think this is just, you know, part of where I'm supposed to keep rising past those moments to show that, you know, hey, really, truly, you can make the impossible possible. Um, but yeah, the so fast forward from there. Um, Dell, you worked at Dell as the first entrepreneur in residence. Entrepreneur in residence of Dell. So I'm a very faith-based person. I was inspired on the mission to empower a billion women. And I, you know, when I was trying to figure out what would that look like, I knew I needed a global technology partner. Uh, I teamed up with Michael Dell and a gentleman named Steve Fleece, who you now know, first pre- or former president of Dell, first outside investor in EBW, Empowering a Billion Women. And uh, and I oversaw entrepreneurial initiatives globally for the business, launched the first debt fund there. And the work there was extraordinary because it gave me the background and the mindset and the scalable thinking to reach those billion women that I wouldn't have gotten necessarily on my own, you know, right. unless you are fortunate enough to turn into a Mark Zuckerberg. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So yeah. in one year alone, we we built, uh, well, over a three-year period, we tracked a new business to billion dollars. We reached 600 million people in one year alone and, you know, really took all those learnings and the things that didn't work. Yes. And we apply it now to what we do at EBW and everything we do, we turn around and teach other women. This is actually how you do it. This is how you start growing, scale your ventures. Right. Right. So, and you were, um, you are now working, uh, with an accelerator program, which I'm going to come back to in a minute, but I want to, I want to share with you and, and get your ideas about a couple of different things here. You know, I did a little research on, uh, female, uh, empowerment of female executives making the impossible possible. And the research is, is, is sort of, uh, you know, mixed for sure. Um, what I found is that parents talk to their daughters differently than they do their sons. And they talk to their daughters about households and budgets. They talk to their sons about stocks and investment and being an entrepreneur. Um, and you, um, out of your background, somehow were led to entrepreneurship. We've we've talked about that before. And your your father was a great entrepreneur. But here's the statistics about women making more than their husbands. You probably already know this. In 1960, 4% of women made more than their husbands. And, not, and now 49% make more. But it still has a cap on it. And that's what you're working to change. The cap is that, what did you say? Um, only 12% of women make over a hundred thousands. Yeah. yeah. A year, 12%. So we got to up that. So 
Yeah. So- I mean, I find it, sh- I, I really, really find it shocking. And the reason I find it shocking is because it doesn't need to be that way. So when right. you think about the fact that women are controlling, the numbers are basically, uh, you know, 70% of the global wallet spend, 80% of the spend in the United States. When women are supported, mm-hmm. we tend to drive 12% higher revenue than our male counterparts, 35% higher return on investment. And as we, you know, have all walked this pandemic journey and we're on the other side and growing and thriving, you know, I, I mean, literally where I, I begin to start sounding like this obsessed person and I am, well, like, <laughs> and I am, and I am, yeah. I'm like, okay. But you're obsessed like, with, with helping other women, helping other women and really shining the spotlight to, uh, you know, we can't do it if we're not doing it in collaboration with our male counterparts and right. God right. bless the guys, you know, right. it's a lot of fun to do all of this with them. And, you know, people who have historically been controlling the boardrooms or the corporations or our governments, et cetera, et cetera, the more that they can really like forget for a moment that diversity and inclusion is a good thing to do, simply look at the business facts. And if we look at how are we going to get our economy here in the United States and globally turned back around, truly the fastest engine to do that is through the empowerment of women because of how we drive our results. Right. The issue has been historically, and you nail this on the head with stop self-sabotage, women, God bless us, ladies, it's like we got to hold ourselves accountable. We will say that the thing that holds us back is lack of access to opportunity or capital. That's not actually what it is. It's lack of access to, uh, it's lack of confidence. Right. But what Belief. The, yeah. Belief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, yeah. It is. Yeah. And what, what, you know, what the pandemic has done, where, where I see this is one of the most extraordinary transformational moments in the history of the world, frankly, is that we are now in a moment where we we're really moving from this he economy to the she economy. And the reason that this is happening is because all these women just guys were hit hard too during the pandemic. Sure. But women were disproportionately hit. And why was that? What do, what do you think? What was that about? Why were they disproportionately hit? What the media will say, and if you look at the media, I mean, they'll say in December 2020 alone, it's hard to believe, but the, the numbers show 100% of the job loss was women. And this is really stemming 100%. from... While both men and women carry the responsibility of the family, the women really are the ones that were uh, trying to juggle the kids and teach them the classes and hold their jobs and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's where the disproportionate impact happened. Uh, But but now what this you know, what's happened as we have this transformation to the she economy is that what historically held women back being this lack of confidence. Now it's like, you know, what we all used to kind of joke about mama bear mentality. It's like, no, that's actually like a real thing. Like, <laughs> anyone listening to this, I'm like, what happened? Mama bear mentality. I love that. <laughs> if I your mom that. saw you in a oh. car wreck or if you were trapped under a car, we've all heard that story of like mom sure. gets super powers and yeah. lifts. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's happening in the economy because the women are like, holy crap, I'm not going to let my family go down. I'm not going to let, you know, my kids go down. I'm not going to let my spouse go down. Right. So they're coming out swinging and they're just like, we're showing up in droves and we don't even care about the confidence thing. Now we just need a pathway to understand how do we do it. Right. 
and just move out of the way and we'll get it done. Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Well, and that, that kind of energy, that kind of, um, um, not desperation. Well, on some level, I mean, just like survival energy. It is just, survival yeah, energy. I'm going to make it happen. I have to make it happen. I have children. I have responsibilities. It is. I love that. The mama bear <laughs> syndrome. Never heard that. Okay. So let's talk about some of the things that women get in their way with. Okay. And then we're going to talk about how you're working through the accelerator program that you've started to help them get out of their way. One of them is the, the imposter syndrome. And I, I know you understand this one. Um, it's really when um, women believe that their success, when they achieve it, is based on a, a part of their persona that is not real and it's not them. They are playing uh, a role and they're an imposter. And because of that um, belief, they undersell themselves, it erodes their confidence, they don't act in the same way that somebody who would own their position would act. So what do you, what have you seen about that, um, Ivy? Well, it's, it's funny you bring that up because I was literally saying to somebody yesterday, we were talking about you actually around this topic. And they were asking me, how do you actually create that mental transition? I was like, well, the best person in the world to teach you on that is Pat Pearson. And I, so you're going to be able to talk way better about that than I will. <laughs> oh, but- that was clever. Give it back to the host. All right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. Ooh, so how, okay. How Ooh, you. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, and, and yeah. what I would add to it is, you know, again, God bless the guys. I mean, they have a lot they can learn from us. We have a lot we can learn from them. But part of it is it, mm-hmm. if we were to really tie it to give me something meaty and specific that really explains this imposter syndrome, I would point to that whole stat with guys that, you know, and it's, it's well known that it's like, if there's a job opportunity out there, if guys meet 30 to 60% of the qualifications, like it could flat out say, do not apply if you don't check these 10 boxes. <laughs> and if they check anywhere between three and six, they're going to be like, I'm going for it. And we're just going to figure it out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Women play by those rules. Check every box. They're like, I can't. I only have nine of them. Mm-hmm. And so they wait until they hit the 10. And so really what we're talking about here is, and I think where all of us can benefit is we almost have, um, first of all, be real about what's actually going on. And then mm-hmm. once we know that this actually is going on, everybody's faking it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> seriously. And, uh, you know, as somebody that really advocates for entrepreneurship and innovation at its core, we're figuring things out that we might've seen a model that we want to replicate, yeah. but we're figuring it out. There, we don't have all the answers. Well, and I love that, what you're saying, because basically what we're talking about is at the core, it's an imaginary process. You are creating a vision if you're an entrepreneur. If you're trying to make the impossible possible, you are transitioning from a, from a belief or a reality that seems impossible to reframing it or re-energizing it or giving it a new life or what I call pivot from the negative to the positive. And you've got to bring in your imagination. You've got to have some vision, you know, yeah. you got to want it. You got to want to make it happen Yeah, and infuse it into that. Um, so women, um, you know, sometimes have a hard time stepping up. They have a hard time asking. Uh, we've, you know, what do you, well, you know, I mean, when, when I first launched, EBW, because I was still in the mindset of 
okay, women are saying the number one issue is lack of access to capital. And I just come off of building a very successful fund. Mm -hmm. So I turned around and teamed back up with Dell and said, Mm -hmm. hey, could we work together and launch a fund by and for women entrepreneurs? Right. Like literally in the byline of the fund, that's what it said. They agreed. We launched a $100 million fund by and for women entrepreneurs. Like it's like, Okay, ladies, we're here. Here it is. Here it is. Here's the here's the gold pot at the end of the rainbow. Here Come it get is. it. Three months, three months, not one woman applied. Oh god. The guy showed up. And it's those moments that it's <sighs> like we have to hold each other accountable. And even on those days when we feel tired and we're like, oh, we can't show, you know, yeah. I just want to rest or whatever. And we do need time to rest. But it's like we each, and especially for women, we all have something that we can give back and we've got to do it because again, the world is transforming now from this he to she economy. Women have, their mindset is naturally changing, but it's like, if people like us aren't showing up, like I was ready to give up on the fund then and, and be, well, run a fund with the guys. Mm-hmm. And I was excited about that. It'd be fun. But that wasn't the mission call in my life. Right. The mission call in my life was, there's a reason empower a billion women. EBW. Yeah. I love that. And that was your mission. That's that it. And that's still your mission. And yeah. and part of that mission, and um, you know, we work together to to help make that happen. Part of that mission is psychological to get them thinking differently so they can take different action. Uh, but another part of that um mission is to give them the resources at their fingertips that can really help them. So tell us about this wonderful program you're launching called the Accelerator. Ah, well, thank you. So the Accelerator, it's the EBW Accelerator. And essentially, it's the first uh, in a series of three. And this first one, uh, it was really all, it's all about helping women understand how do we get over that six-figure mark. And the reason that's so important is back to the stats you mentioned before that 88% of women actually never do. They want to, but they don't. And so in the accelerator, um, we simply do three simple things and we, we carry this across everything we do at EBW. One is the addressing of how do we shift our mindset? And this is why I'm so honored and always love working with you because it's, it's without that, without that solid foundation, it's hard to build. It's you, you manifest what you believe. So we've got to address what is our real exactly. belief system. Exactly. How we transfer. Yeah, yeah. Then step number two is really uh, providing the proven successful pathway to get from point A to B. Mm-hmm. And this is just simply proven, like do these things and this is how you move. And, and in that, you know, are the, it's the education, it's the mentorship. And then step number three is having a success, uh, a support system that can sustain you as you build through success and certainly through the tough moments. So in that is the community. And this is also where we begin to bring in added resources that, for example, you coming in and hosting these live sessions with all the women in the accelerator yes. to address this stop self-sabotage. I mean, that really is a big thing still. Again, even though there's this transformation happening that holds women back. So those are the three things that we do in the accelerator. Um, and then, of course, there's a lot of meat underneath all of, of that. Of course, there's yeah. a lot of meat because yeah. you're you're making it meaty. You're making a <laughs> stew there. Put in those potatoes. Put in those it meat. So all good. right. All right. So let's talk a, just a little bit more about women and what women want now. What are some of the attributes you see about of high performing women? 
what what are they able to do that you see? The I think the key differentiator, if you will, uh, between women who are certainly over six figures, and then as you get into seven and eight, yes. Um, so the differentiator between that and those that are under mm-hmm. uh, six is it comes down to the mindset and it actually comes down to one simple thing. And that one simple thing is what are we actually focused on? Are we focused on the results that we're actually trying to create with a mindset that come hack or high water, we're hitting those results? Or are we focused on the OMG, there are a thousand steps from here to there (laughs) and all these people are telling me I can't get it done. That'll paralyze you. That'll paralyze you. Mm -hmm. And that, that is where most people, myself at times, have gotten stuck. Sure. But that, that shift in mindset, literally that one simple shift in mindset is the game changer. So take it off the problems and go to the, not, not just the solution, but the outcome you want. The outcome you want. Keep the dream alive. You, you and I were talking about it right before we got into this podcast that, you know, I've got executives flying over to Thailand. We're bringing over a hundred million boxes, like between these sort of conversations. So the way that we fund fuel, you know, have the money to do all of this work, to build pipeline for more women to start growing scale companies is we have a very robust enterprise side of our business where we do distribution and data and technology and innovation. So a lot of those, those things. And around that, you know, we're now, I I was telling you, you know, I'm on the phone negotiating half of one of those big shipping containers that you see. Like, I need space on that thing once a week. I've got right. 100 million boxes of the stuff we're bringing over coming in. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, a year ago, if somebody told me I'd be negotiating that, I would laugh and be like, I literally have no idea where to even start. Right. Can you just get me one box? Like yeah. of what we're trying, like, can I just have one? We start small yeah. and yeah. I'll go up to a hundred million. Yeah. Can he just send that to me? But, you know, and, and again, often these opportunities come out of getting backed into a wall because finding myself in this place today is frankly, because I've spent so much money working with all these different people overseas that they can help me with this. They can help me with this. And then things were breaking down. And I was getting so frustrated and I'm looking at our cash burn and I was like, Ingrid, what do you want? And I was like, come back to the basics. I need hundred million boxes. What do I want? I need hundred million boxes. I need to sell hundred million boxes. And when I make it that simple and then communicate that across the whole team, it's like literally everything that's on your plate that doesn't tie to that, take it off. Right. And let's go get that. Yeah. Let's make that happen. Yeah. And now it's flowing. Yeah. Amazing. Let me just share with you, and you've already alluded to most of this, but let me just share with you some of the research about high achieving women. We're wanting to take women who have a dream and maybe they think it's impossible and we want to make it possible for them. All right. Um, and here's some of the, here's some of the research. Number one, the most successful women who are over six figures, um, have overcome their issues with confidence. They believe that they can do it and that they do deserve, which is a big word I use, um, to be successful. So they've broken through the imposter syndrome in that sense. And they're not afraid to ask for what they want, just like you were just saying. Um, They trust their intuition. They trust taking risks. They show more bravado than women who aren't, who are under a hundred thousand. 
Um, they're multitasking. Of course, most women are multitasking and they have a high EQ, uh, until, um, emotional quotient, which I talk about a lot, which basically means they understand the emotions of other people and their own, and they have empathy and, and can move, uh, in a way that acknowledges, but doesn't obstruct business in, in terms of dealing with the, uh, emotions. Hardworking, resilient. We already know that. Every mama on the planet is that. Um, and they tend to learn through questions. They, they ask questions. They're not afraid of asking questions and looking stupid like a lot of people sometimes are. These are women over 100,000. Okay. They have a expertise in content. They have a leadership range that is adaptable. And so they're, they're assessing situations just like you would assess handling, you know, uh, a school, uh, school room of kids or, or children, your own children, you know, who needs what? So they have this ability to sort and not have to be just linear about things. Any of those ring bells for you? Oh my gosh. I mean, all of them. And as, as you're, you're talking, I'm like, uh, I, I really, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm really grateful to what I was saying earlier that you're doing podcasts like these, because it's, you know, uh, even as we're talking, well, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, that, that's also the benefit of getting older. I mean, I'm reaching the stage where I'm like, there are a lot of things that I, need to get done in my life that I want to get done in my life. And I'm getting to that point where I'm like, I just need to execute and and execute very well to get the results that we want. And uh, if I flash back 10, 20, 30 years ago, those were not the same kind of thoughts that I had. Exactly. Yeah. And so things like what you're talking about here, I think it's just this acknowledgement to especially all the women out there that it's like, you get it. I get it. You have done the work to understand it, to help women really bridge getting over. And I have personally benefited from that. The women of EBW benefit from that. And there just simply is no getting around that. It's easy to sit there and talk about, yeah, this is how we think once you're over the hundred thousand, but it's like less than 2% ever get over the seven figure, less than 0.003 ever get over the eight figure. The percentage of women who've actually done it is so small. So we're sort of talking about rarefied air, if you will. And it's like, now there's a way to do it and get there. So let's change that ratio. So we have more women here, but to get there is all about how do we address all of this first? Right. Because without that, we're not going to get there. It's the fundamentals. You have to, you have to believe in yourself. You have to have um, some emotional resiliency, agility. Um, you have to be able to, to ask, to say no, to have boundaries, to do all the things that we talk about that psychologically, which of course is my little, you know, shtick. And then you could go out and, and, and become an entrepreneur and, <laughs> you know, have a hundred million gloves coming in and say, I'm going to set up a sales team to, to handle this. And, um, but you have to have that first. Some people have it naturally. Most of us as women have to learn it. And it's that commitment to learning and growing. That's a good news though, that it's learnable. It's learnable. It's, it's not a not accessible kind of thing. If you want it, it's, and you invest the time in it, it's learnable. Right. Right. And open and available to anyone. Right. Exactly. Okay. 
So um, you have an exciting thing coming up. You've just started this kind of new, almost new adjunct of your company with selling 100 million gloves for two hospitals, two health care. <laughs> so tell me about that. How did you get into that? And there may be some women out here who are listening to this who are saying, or men who are saying, wow, I want a piece of that. I want to, I want to sell. I want to, you know, that sounds like a great mission and, and a way to make some money and yeah. help people at the same time. Oh, I love it. I, and I would love to see that happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, interesting because when the pandemic hit, uh, as you know, cause we were together in end of January, 2020. Right. And I was setting up a distribution business to really replicate a lot of the work that I did at Dell. How do you take these large global brands like a Dell that has a lot of products and services that can help entrepreneurs succeed? And how do you bring them together for mutual business value? And right. obviously there's commerce that happens and, you know, business model. So I was really setting up a similar thing to that, to bring in those corporations. And then it was March 20th um, and yeah. I, back to back to back to back call. And it was the call from my younger brother, an ER doctor, Dr. Garrick Vandervelt, who uh, called and he was um, eight days, six COVID patients, same mask. And he was just desperate, you know, and he contracted and, and couldn't see his children. And he just said, is there any way that you can unlock your network and help us gain access to these supplies? Right. Right. And we just simply can't get them. Yeah. And as it turns out, you know, all this legwork that we've done now for almost 10 years of building a global network of women and having the opportunity to work with different countries through the work at Dell or the United Nations work, things right. like that. Yeah. We have very unique access into the marketplace and we were able to start creating solutions and mm -hmm. uh, the word got out fast and the business just frankly took off. Sure. And so now um, what we're really excited about is for healthcare companies that are saying, you know what, and, and you're seeing a lot of this in the media where there's uh, some understandable, in some cases, criticism around healthcare in general that care and procurement, it doesn't reflect the communities necessarily that it's serving. It's still very representative of sort of old school healthcare. So there's not a lot of diversity in mm -hmm. it, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and so what EBW has done is say, you know, we can help you solve that. We can help you begin to show up in your communities as the hospital that is going that extra mile to working with women, working with women, women diversely in your community and yeah, diverse yeah. and you know, very diverse women and very diverse women. And, mm. and one of the fastest ways that any organization, certainly a healthcare organization can show that, that they really mean what they say when they say we're working to do better and mm -hmm. be more representative of the patients we serve sure. is frankly through procurement. So we've set up a system that essentially identifies identifies leaders in communities across the U.S. and globally that uh, want to be those representatives in their communities. And we basically tag team with them and say, well, let's work together with your business. We'll distribute all those products that they need through you and your business. Right. And so you you can now, you know, basically take care of whatever the, the healthcare needs are. And through that, you know, it's just this amazing, like I say, I'm glove hustling, but whoever thought a, <laughs> uh, a pair of gloves could actually transform 
potential opportunity and, and certainly healthcare here in the United States around the world. Well, and also, and also to build women's empowerment and to make their dreams come true, you know, so there's going to be women listening to this, um, all over the world. Uh, in fact, it's one of the things I was told is one of the big markets that listens to this podcast is India. I love that. I know, isn't it interesting? The women in India are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They're beautiful for yeah. sure. And, and smart. So, um, Give us, give us how to get hold of you. I am a woman. I want to build a business. I want to, I'm in healthcare. I think that maybe selling gloves would be a great way for me to get over a hundred thousand dollars a year. So how do I find Ingrid Vandervelt and her glove factory. <laughs> you know, I was always like, as a kid, yeah, one of right. my favorite movies was yeah. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> I say to this day, I love it. And I'm like, that's sort of what we are, except it's all full of healthcare products. And so it's pretty awesome. <laughs> you know, funny. yes, it might happen uh, to be gloves, but actually what it represents is just this huge opportunity. And to do, uh, yeah. we want to see women get yeah, far everything. beyond the six figures and go to seven and join us in eight and nine figures and you know, yeah. beyond from there. Yeah. So the way that they can find us is if people go to certainly ebw2020.com, that's a great portal to sort of explore and find. ebw2020.com. Yeah. Yes. And then if you uh, want to just kind of fast track to the accelerator, you can do ebw2020.com. And then it's just forward slash grow. 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 Nice. Grow. grow the business you love. Grow. <laughs> Plant flowers. <laughs> grow them. Yeah. Well, so. Ingrid, you have been lovely as always. And thank you so much for coming and sharing with me on this, on this podcast. And, and I, what I'm hoping is that we're, that we're seeding, we're talking about growing, seeding some new women's businesses out there and that they're now you're going to get off listening to this and say, hmm, yeah, what are my dreams? What do I want to make possible that I thought was impossible? And uh, and you're living proof that being special can have all <laughs> kinds of different meanings and that we always should see it in the best light. So yeah. thank you. You are special. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was you awesome bet. to be here. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.